0: Welcome back to the Legal Digest podcast with your host, Natalie. In today's episode, I'm joined by Nazmin Chowdhury. She's a clinical negligence lawyer, a counsellor for Stevenage Borough Council. She was also previously a radio presenter on SG1 Radio interviewing leading Bollywood musicians. We're going to be covering the recent reversal of the landmark U.S. Supreme Court case Roe v. Wade, exploring why it originally was brought to the U.S. Supreme Court, the detail behind the reversal and what this means for women, not just in the U.S., I think it's important to consider the impact of this, despite it being a US decision, because these decisions and the the debate around it can have a ripple effect um, around the world. And when it comes to fundamental rights, such as the right to have an abortion, you have to kind of hear it from both sides and consider all issues. Hi, Naz, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Thank Um, you for
1: inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to join you on your podcast.
0: I think, firstly, it would be useful to cover the context around the origins of Roe v. Wade. So the decision, um, which was originally delivered in 1973, gave women the constitutional right to abortion as a fundamental right. The woman behind this case was Norma McCorvey, but for the purposes of the proceedings, this was changed to Jane Roe. And she was from an impoverished background. She was unmarried, she was unemployed and pregnant with her third third child and had given up her two previous children for adoption. So she brought a case against the district attorney in Texas, um, Henry Wade, and Wade was responsible for ensuring that the restrictions on the right to abortion were enforced and only granted to women who he determined was at risk. And I think it's also important to mention that he was not a doctor. So this was a governor that's making this decision. So in 2022, the US Supreme Court has reversed this decision, taking away the constitutional right to abortion and essentially leaving the decision on individual state governors or legislators to grant or restrict that right. And this reversal will eliminate access to abortion across more than half the US and means that women will have to carry to full term unless they can travel to another state where there is abortion access. Um, Additionally, the US Supreme Court extended the right to review other activities relating to marriage and contraception as part of this decision. In contrast, um, in England, England and Wales, the right to abortion is given under the Abortion Act 1967. The reason why the right to abortion was granted is because so many women were dying from having backstreet illegal abortions and they were resorting to untrained people who were using really dangerous instruments in order to abort their pregnancy. Um, And also if you look at the World Health Organization's facts and figures on abortion worldwide, they reported that the lack of access to safe, timely, affordable and respectful abortion care is a critical health and human rights issue. So rather than looking at it as a constitutional issue, they see it as a human rights issue. And they say that in developed regions, 30 women die for every 100,000 unsafe abortions that are performed. Complications of unsafe abortions cost health systems around $553 million per year to kind of perform the post abortion treatments and rectify what's happened. Um, And according to their report, evidence shows that actually restricting access doesn't reduce the number of abortions. It actually significantly increases um, the number of women that will seek illegal abortions. So the, the other thing to look at then is how did we actually get to this reversal? And I think over the last few years, there's kind of been a pattern of decisions which would suggest that this reversal was imminent. So if you look back even before the 1990s, the women's rights movement kind of um, fueled the the anti-abortion group's campaign, which led to some states imposing restrictions on abortion rights, and the subsequent kind of build-up of that campaign, including the increasing right-wing politics, which has been taken taken over in some Republican-led states. And the also the other important point to make is that in the U.S. the con- In the US Constitution, there's no separation between the church and the state. So these decisions are quite influenced by the principles of the Christian faith. And that's not something that, um, you know, everybody would necessarily apply to their kind of choice as to whether or not to have an abortion. So there's so many issues that come out of this reversal. There's, There's a lot to unpack. I think it's impossible to cover everything. But what I was interested to hear from you is, firstly, what were your initial thoughts about the Roe v Wade reversal?
1: Um, Well, my initial thoughts, um, well, I I, I kind of felt a bit shocked, Uh, maybe that might be a better word to say, shocked, disheartened, um, and the fact that a decision that was made 50 years ago was more progressive than a decision that was made now. Um, I feel like in terms of women rights, um, women's choices, um, everything had gone back decades with a decision made like this. Um, and it just made me worry of, about thinking about the fact that younger women now will be going forward in life with fewer rights compared to our mothers, our grandmothers um, from before. Um, and I'm saying this, um, you know, as a, as a lawyer myself um, and as a counsellor and most importantly as a woman, uh, because I've always been someone who believed in pro-choice because a decision that I can make for myself will be based on my circumstances, which nobody else will be able to understand the same way I would never be able to judge somebody else on a decision if they wanted to make a choice with their body what they want to do they know their personal circumstances more and that goes the same look back at the case of Rowan Wade Um, here a woman was denied a choice with what to do with her body her circumstances she didn't feel she could raise a child in the circumstances she had and um, it in my opinion is just quite sad sad that we have to be uh, dealing this with something
0: like this in 2022. Yeah, and there's a lot of kind of circumstances that <clears throat> we wouldn't necessarily think about. Um, yeah. That I think for someone to, you know, it's quite a big decision to yeah. say that you're going to have an abortion and there will be situations where women have medical problems yeah. that mean that they can't
1: exactly.
0: have the child. I mean, if you look at um, endometriosis, people who have endometriosis, Um, It could be life threatening. So it puts them in a very difficult position and, um, you know, could end up leading to that pregnant mother dying as well or Mm -hmm. suffering really severe uh, complications as a result of having to go through this. Absolutely. And and
1: what you mentioned earlier as well um, about the Christian church being aligned with the judiciary. Um, Even if you look back with religious beliefs, whether it's Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Sikhism, um, in all of them, when it comes to abortion, it is mentioned that it is right for a mother to have abortion if it is going to be life threatening for the mother. And this decision uh, does not take into consideration any of this. It doesn't take into consideration a mother's health. It doesn't take into consideration whether the mother or the fetus, uh, whether what the mother's, um, is, whether the mother's mentally um, impaired, whether she can raise the child, um, mother's financial circumstances, um, whether the child is being born out of rape. Um, you know, you can just think about how much stress it will bring on a mother uh, to raise a child in, in these circumstances, and whether the child will be born. Um, disabled and you know there's so many circumstances and I feel like this case is just a straight off uh, just been made um by actually a predominant male judiciary panel actually um, yeah. so, so I'm not surprised and as I said like they're not doctors who make these decisions they were yeah. governors and you know I always think when it comes to medical health matters a decision should be made between a patient and their doctor they will know what is best in yeah. terms of deciding something like this and abortion as you mentioned is a very big decision to make yep yeah. you have to think a lot um you know before making it um and it's not something you know someone just makes out of the blue just like, okay today yeah. I'm going for an abortion it's not like you know there it, is a lot of waters you know gone through into it
0: yeah and I guess the woman that goes through it as well will carry that with her for the rest of her life so mm. it's a very uh, I'm guessing you know it's a huge thing to say to yourself mm-hmm. I have to um end this or terminate this pregnancy and I feel and like all- we should
1: judge that a person if they decide yeah. to go for it. whether it's a woman decides to keep a child or go for abortion it's nobody's matter and I feel like you know a decision like this is really actually adding a lot of um pressure on women as well on how they should behave in a society and and I said in 2022 uh a decision like this just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. And ultimately, I think the the reason for this reversal is kind of the growing um, restrictive le- legislation that's been introduced by some states in the US. So if you look at how the U.S. It, this decision actually came to the US Supreme Court, it was because of the Dobbs v. Jackson case, where um, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, had actually... Um, restricted abortion from 15 weeks of pregnancy so and that kind of forces the U.S. Supreme Court to say actually we don't agree anymore with Roe v Wade we want to leave it up to the individual states to decide but what do you think really is the reason for this reversal what where does this really come from? An interesting one
1: you mentioned that. Um, so I'll, I'll give a bit of background before I make the decision uh, give my answer <laughs> on. Um, but um, what one of the panel members who voted for the reverse, Justice Samuel Alito, uh, so he stated that the Roe decision uh, from 1973 was wrong from the start. Um, and its reasoning was apparently exceptionally weak and the decision had damaging consequences on society and he further argued that the 1973 abortion rights ruling was ill-conceived and deeply f- a flawed decision that invented a right that was apparently mentioned nowhere in the constitution um a right so when he talks about a right not being mentioned in the constitution he's actually referring to it can be interpreted as woman's right a uh, woman's right not being mentioned in the constitution and you know it's been you know given Um, a very contentious issue away from the political branches of the government. Um, And then another thing I'd like to add is that in 1973, when Roe was decided back then, it was 7-2 in favour of abortion, and this year it was a 5-4 against abortion. Uh, So it was quite a significant number, and you know, as as I mentioned previously, the panel who voted for the reversal were predominantly male, say for one, say for one, and When I was reading through um, the notes on this and you know, because the written judgment hasn't come out yet there's several passages which actually just refer to the panel judges referring to doctors and nurses who terminate pregnancies as abortionists, so my worry there is uh, the panel itself. um, was not impartial they were putting their own views when making this decision. Uh, so, it could be that their views were that they didn't yep. believe in abortion. Uh, they were pro life. Um, I'm not saying I'm, you know, pro murder or anyone, anything like this. But yep. I've always been a pro choice person based on circumstances, always. So, if they're referring to medical professionals um, who terminate pregnancies as abortionists, I mean, what, what can we expect in terms yep. of? You know decision-making and I feel that they could have done better with their panels um, and that's why it's something I've always encouraged whether it's the UK or the US we need diversity in these panels yeah uh, what you know different age groups uh, different races um, different genders uh, because here we had you know they were all much older from much older population predominantly male this is a decision they came up to because yeah. it doesn't affect them directly.
0: It affects exactly. younger
1: women from
0: this yeah. current age. Exactly. Um, so and I think also after Ruth Ginsburg passed away, because yeah. um, she, she was a firm, but she was a big supporter of pro-choice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think after she passed away, that's when they were able to kind of get this decision in because she was mm-hmm. the one that was saying, no, absolutely, there's no way that we can change this. And then if you look back over how this has kind of all changed, it's since I guess the um, since Trump being elected as US, whether people support him or not, but he did elect judges who were very anti-abortion and um, I guess quite conservative in their views of certain things like gay marriage and the use of contraception so that was the other thing that was alarming out of this decision that potentially they would review whether women have access to contraception and other things around that and so oh, <laughs> the worrying thing is that if if in you that you case um, if
1: they're going to be um reviewing women and contraception and in that case they should also review men and vice yeah. as well uh, because <laughs> you know women are more um women Are fertile for a lesser period of time compared to men. Why why don't they consider that option?
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um yeah, it's it's not men, I guess, aren't best placed to make decisions about things that only women can decide. And I guess, you know, now they have this in place, what who do you think is most going to be most implicated by this decision?
1: I think most implicated will definitely be. Um, women of with lesser finances Um, because you know it could be that some women already have enough children and they would be you know worried about whether they can you know look after more children um, and take care of them generally I feel like it does have an impact on nearly every woman Uh, but if I have to say who would it impact more uh, perhaps those who who are with less finances it puts a significant amount of burden on sadly rape victims yes and I read a tweet um again it was from a Muslim woman from Doha and she mentioned um, an unfortunate circumstance where she was raped and luckily it didn't terminate to it didn't progress to pregnancy, but either way, whether it's lucky or not, it's just an unfortunate, very traumatic experience, it would have been for this woman. And she said if it did go to pregnancy, um, she would have traveled to the UK to have the abortion because in a country like Doha, um if you were pregnant without marriage, you'd be jailed. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the US coming with a decision like this is not any better than this, you know, over the strictly you know Islamic State countries. Yeah. Um, they've you know, for, for a global, you know, world-leading country like yeah. the US, it's actually now one of four countries um, who have imposed bans on
0: abortions like this. Yeah. So, for a country that's yeah. always been at the forefront of innovation, yeah. Yeah. it comes as a real surprise to me. I mean, that this decision even goes against what the World Health Organization advises, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite shocking, really. And as you say, rape victims are definitely the, you know, the people that will be implicated by this. But it's interesting that you say that as well, because the BBC actually released statistics on who they think will be affected by this in the US. And they were saying that 49 percent of people that were getting abortions before this decision were below the poverty line. And 60% of people were, um, already had one child. So I think with the, now that we're in this kind of post-COVID era as well, the cost of living increases and maybe job security isn't really there anymore. Having, you know, the prospect of having another child maybe would add that kind of increased kind of pressure on families. Absolutely. And um, my roots are from Bangladesh and my mum,
1: when she heard about this, case she was saying that I would not be surprised uh, seeing similar incidents what we see in Bangladesh happening in the US because in Bangladesh um, it's a third world country yep. and um, over there as well uh, abortion isn't something um, many people consider so much as an option unless there was any you know health conditions or anything but as a in general um, it's not something they would perhaps consider Um, And there's a lot of, um, you know, with the poorer women, um, abandoning their children in hospitals, on roads, on um, rubbish sites. And it is quite sad to say, and it just feels more poverty because, you know, you can't afford to, you know, look after these children. These children, you know, grow up with no support. And it's quite sad. And my mum was, the first thing she said was, imagine anything like that happen in a country like the US. Yeah. Yeah it's we've got a broken system as well and even the UK as well the local authorities you know child care and social services um are they able to take care of children who are being left for adoption um, do we have enough um resources to be able to do that and the same goes with the US I know there's people promoting pro-life and you know um and and I do respect other people's views reasons so I don't get me wrong, but. If we think about it if it is someone that who just definitely cannot raise a child does not have the capacity mental financial or physical capacity to be able to raise a child to put that pressure on them to raise a child um, is not going to be good for both the child or the mother
0: no it just adds to the the existing problem that there's so many orphans as well that don't have a home and they grow up in these really unstable environments and you know if you also think about maybe she was you know if you look at a a woman who wasn't necessarily raped um but she wasn't married in certain countries you know it's almost like there's a huge shame on her to get pregnant outside of marriage and I think that's a big thing a big I can say for a fact from a South Asian background it is a very
1: taboo uh, yeah. topic in general um and if you were pregnant before marriage then you can just say you will be um outcasted yeah. from the entire family from the entire society it's seen as a very very big thing it's sad actually because you are right it's going to not going to stop people from having abortions it's actually going to make them look for most unharmed you know unsafe ways and yeah. actually um when i was a bit younger i used to work in a pharmacy And I remember there were certain medications that used to come in, and I was like, oh, I've never seen these medicines before. Um, And it was, you know, certain, this particular medicine was for abortion, um, to induce abortion. And it was only prescribed uh, by obviously by the doctors who actually think it was right. Um, But again, anyone would be able to, you know, somebody decided, okay, let me try and contact this doctor. contact this pharmacist I want this medicine um you know to help induce this abortion they're going to look for the most unsafest ways yeah which isn't just going to end their um you know their fetus's life it's going to end their life as well and you know if you look back historically the UK as well they used you know coat hangers knives whatnot for an abortion um and it definitely you know it wasn't good for them at all and this is something I can see happening again It's, it's you know people will find a way and it's going to be always the poor who's going to be affected more because because the rich they can afford to travel they'll go to another country if need be to get their abortion done but the poor will not be able to afford this Um, and they'll look for the most unsafe ways of having an abortion.
0: Yeah and there's also another important question to consider as part of the debate and it's whether the fetus is a legal person. So in the United States, the fetus is protected under criminal law um, in some states from conception. And so I'm thinking about the possibility of if in England and Wales, we had a review of abortion laws, if they were restricted, what is the stance in England and Wales in terms of is the fetus protected in the same way from conception? Well, currently um, the abortion cutoff time limit is 20. 20- 24 weeks
1: and 24 weeks might be considered in the UK as when a fetus would be considered a legal person and these changes actually came um, after the abortion act 1967 um, which was you know after that you know we had the changes introduced in parliament and came into effect as a human fertilization and embryology act 1990 because before prior to that um, the time limits were 28 weeks. For an abortion uh, but it was reduced to 24 and that was on the basis uh, that uh, medical technology had advanced to be able to justify that change however at the same time although um, there is a cutoff point of 24 weeks the UK did remove any restrictions for late abortions where there was a risk to life um, fetal abnormality or grave physical and mental injury to the woman. So here, um, UK, you can say as we, you know, women are allowed to have the late abortion uh, provided there is, you know, good reasoning for it. Um, yeah. Whereas I'd say, you know, if you compare it with the other countries in that sense, like late abortion, you know, you have, you, you know, if with anything, you have to consider the safety, whether it's yeah. possible to have it at such a late stage.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, now many doctors, I think will be put in a really difficult position because sometimes they the only way to save their patient is to terminate the pregnancy. So what do doctors do where they feel now the mother is going to die and the baby? I mean, is this, you know, really, I guess this brings me on to the last question, which is, is this really a matter that should be left to the government to decide?
1: So I had read an article uh, about a lady whose placenta had detached um, quite later on in her pregnancy. And in order to save the mother's life, uh, it was really required that she had the abortion uh, because it would have, you know, caused very harmful um, outcome to her. You know, she would have the placenta would have, you know, become infectious inside her and she would have died. So where she, in the state that she was living in, uh, because it was quite late pregnancy, they weren't allowing for it. So she had to travel all the way over to uh, Kentucky, um, where there was a abortion And the doctor there uh, used to actually walk around with two shotguns because of the fact that he was previously attacked by pro-life campaigners. Uh, He was able to do the abortion and save this mother's life. But then years later, uh, when that lady, uh, you know, she was just doing her business and read a newspaper, a front page newspaper, that that same doctor who had treated her was actually murdered by uh, a pro-life campaigner. So if you hear about these incidents, uh, it is really going to deter doctors and nurses doing safe abortions going forward because of the risk associated with their lives. And, you know, as a medical professional or any uh, frontliner, you shouldn't have to worry about doing
0: your duty. Yeah. And I think that just leads back to the same argument that we won't see the numbers going down, but we'll actually see more women suffering kind of complications and um did kind of trying to end their pregnancies themselves um like we saw in the 50s and before that even in the united kingdom so that's quite a scary thought really i think and hopefully in the uk that we won't ever come to that because this has kind of sparked a debate and i think
1: absolutely and everyone has really different circumstances because um, i've seen couples who have been very desperate for a child um, you know, yes. go for, going through IVF procedures and everything. And then they'll see couples who don't want a child. Um, and I said, every circumstance is very, very different. And we yes. just simply can't judge anyone yes. based based on that. Um, because everyone knows what your circumstances is, what you can, you know, cope with, what you can't cope with. And, yes. you know, having a decision like Wade actually forcing a few, uh, you know, judiciary panel members views on abortion on women i feel it's totally unfair when they've got a country the us where they don't even govern gun laws over there Um, but they feel like it's easier to govern a woman's body and um, it's just not right
0: yeah well thank you so much um that brings us to the end of this episode um i hope that the listeners found it interesting and don't forget that if you enjoyed listening to the topics that we covered today um, that you could leave a rating and a review and if you'd like to get involved in the podcast or have any questions about the topics that we covered today then you can send us an email or get in touch on social media thank you so much thank you thank you for having me